For Jamie Webb, whose mother Xiao Jie Tan, who owned Young's Asian Massage, the pain is more powerful than the fear. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. What does your heart feel like right now? Empty. She never finished high school, and she like when I told her that I decided to go to college, she was so happy. She just want to celebrate because she's so she's very proud of it. You were the embodiment of your mother's dreams. Yes. When you saw this unfold, what went through your mind?、Um, my first thought was for Jamie, a life-changing experience for both of us. The last couple of years, she would say, "You know, I'm I'm going to be able to retire soon." How do you want your mom to be remembered? She's a great mother. She wants us to have good life. That's why she worked so hard. Your mom would be very proud of you. Yes. And I know she was. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account, honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over five million users and has helped save its members an average of seven hundred twenty dollars a year, with over five hundred million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to RocketMoney.com/Wondery. That's RocketMoney.com/Wondery. RocketMoney.com/Wondery. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender One Ten is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design, featuring a reimagined exterior with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and an interior built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Its durability has been tested to the extreme, while the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com/defender. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app and answer a few questions. With Angie, you can book instantly at an upfront price or request and compare quotes from multiple pros, so you can find the best price for your project. So the next time you have a home project. Just Angie that, and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today, or visit Angie dot com. That's A N G I dot com. Hello, and welcome to the Real Crime Profile. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor, and writer producer of CBS's Criminal Minds, and executive producer of America's Most Wanted. And with me today is. Laura Richards, criminal behaviour analyst, founder of Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service, host of Crime Analyst, and law reformer and campaigner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're going to get into that. 
And I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm the casting director for CBS's Criminal Minds. And, you know, Jim and Laura, we're recording in a week that has seen horrific violence against mm. our Asian family, friends, and neighbors. And I wanted to mention that in the early months of the pandemic, last June, I cast a PSA calling out anti-Asian backlash related to COVID-19. And I was so proud of all the actors who were in it, like Ming-Na Wen and Kelly Hu and Randall Park and Ken Jeong, Brian T. They all jumped in and added their voices to stop violence against the AAPI communities. But now still, months later, Things have gotten so much worse. And I just can't stay silent. These are our communities. They're part of our communities. We need, we need to show them our support and that we're not going to sit silently by and just turn our backs. You know, I have a friend named T and her elderly parents just got the vaccine, right? And she's begging them not to go out, mm. not to go outside because she's afraid. For, it's for just terrible. Safety. It's terrible. It's a horrible backlash. It's a totally just unwarranted and 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 racist backlash that has nothing to do with reality. Well, the, what people might not realize Lisa's talking about is the Atlanta shooting in particular that has just happened. And you're going to be hearing this in your ears a week later. But well, the one thing I will say is obviously hate crime is a disgusting, disgraceful thing when people are targeted. But the thing that I think is really being missed is that it's women that were targeted in a target-rich environment. And I think it's important to talk about that because that's a hate crime too. He didn't just open fire on people. He chose to go to a place and a space that, yes, heavily Asian, and but also women. It was seven women that were shot dead out of eight and I do get really fed up with keep hearing people talk about cases as if sex doesn't matter. And misogyny is normally the reason why these things happen. So I think we have to be very clear, particularly in this case, when I've heard a law enforcement officer come out and platform the perpetrator's narrative because he was Same. arrested. What saying, he and he literally, though? Jim, parroted back everything the perpetrator said verbatim as if it were truthful and he said that he was having a bad day and he had a sex addiction. I mean, lots of people have a bad day, but this was a targeted attack. And it's absolutely disgraceful that this perpetrator's narrative is being platformed in this way. And it is a false narrative. And there are people who do have sex addictions, but it's interesting. He didn't go to a strip club to shoot people. You know, he didn't walk into a pornography shop. I mean, he picked, I, I was a massage therapist and I have had fears like this because you're alone with someone where nobody can hear you yell and it's just horrible. But it's got nothing to do with the sex addiction Lisa and I no, think I know, we just no, need to be that. careful no, that's by what I, that's what even I mean. using that terminology no, it's giving him no, an but that's excuse because that's what he said it, it was and of no, course know, it wasn't that, about exactly. that. Exactly that's but that's what I'm saying you know. Yeah, but sex addiction the... had nothing to do with violence. No, and you don't go to a massage all. therapist for sex. I just want to make that perfectly clear. I think law enforcement have to be very careful when they start peddling the narrative of the perpetrator and they have to look much deeper for yeah, motive. Look at his behavior. Look yeah. at his behavior. Who did he target? Why did he go there? What was his actual goal? Obviously, to kill these women, to kill as many of them as he possibly could. The fact that they were Asian women it could have meant that he was racially motivated as well as motivated by hatred of gender. And that both of those things are hate crimes. 
And that's what it should be classified as. Absolutely. And there's no way in hell that law enforcement should just take his self-reporting, mimic it to the world and use that as justification not to charge it as a hate crime. It's just insane. I mean, lots of people have bad days, but they don't behave like this. So I'm, I'm sure we're going to be hearing much more, but I just wish the first things that we weren't hearing were about him and his excuses rather than hearing about actually who the victims were and honouring them. And I, I will say, actually, in England and Wales, we had a huge success yesterday where misogyny will now be recorded as a hate crime. And there's been pilots across the country and Stella Creasy, it's really Stella Creasy MP's hard work, and I've been part of it, of saying that we do need to ensure that it is seen as a hate crime because too often women are targeted on the basis of their sex and it's because of their sex. Therefore, misogyny is a gateway offence to lots of other things that happen. But unfortunately, too often we just put up with it and deal with it. And we've talked about that a little bit. Um, but I think in particular, in the wake of Sarah Everard's murder, which has been a very high profile case in London, Sarah disappeared on March the 3rd um, at around 9.30 p.m. And she was walking in Clapham, Clapham Common. Now, I lived there for many years, so it's an area I know very well. I've mm. walked that route many times. I've trained on that common four times a week. So a lot of my local friends sent me the flyer when she went missing and said, could you post this on your social media? And I said, yes. Yeah. So I was keeping an eye on the case and I knew that it probably wouldn't end well because all her friends and family were saying it was totally unusual behavior for her just to disappear like that. And of course, we know that it didn't end well. And she was disappeared by a man who turned out to be a serving Metropolitan Police officer. And so there's been a double travesty in many senses. But what I will also say is that the police approach, some of the things that happened thereafter caused a lot of concern, which was Firstly, the knocks on the door doing house-to-house -house inquiries, women were told not to go out after dark, which, again, I can understand why we want to ensure people understand the risk, but it's not about curtailing women's behaviour. That doesn't stop the problem of male violence, and it felt very similar to the days of Peter Sutcliffe where women were told not to go out. But also the commissioner, Cressida Dick, who was a mentor of mine, said in her interview that this is a rare event but femicide is not a rare event. We know a woman is killed every three days and every four days in her home. And so it started this outpouring of women talking about, well, where are we safe? If we're not safe in the home, we're not safe outside the home. Women have to risk assess everything they do. And it started an outpouring of women talking about their day-to-day -day risk assessment and risk management and saying that men need to be aware of what women have to deal with and we want men to be part of the solution. But the case has really become a tipping point in the UK, I think, of women just saying enough is enough. We've had so much male violence. And I think, Jim, for it being a police officer, of it's, course, that adds yeah, another layer. It exacerbates, layer. sure. And I wonder, Laura, was that police officer, whose name we will not mention, was he one of the ones knocking on the doors, warning women to stay inside? Well, we can't say too much about the specifics of the case because it's now subdued us. But from what I understand, and it is in the public domain, he was a diplomatic and royalty protection officer. So he had special duties and he was involved with more protecting premises. And other things came out in the media, which I would like to talk about, but we can't right. because the case is subdued us. 
But there is a history. The only thing I can say is there is a history, and there have been seven referrals to the Independent Office of Police Complaints for various messages being sent making jokes about Sarah's murder from officers on the cordon, would you believe, um, and other offences. So a lot of people are very angry about that because what the commissioner failed to understand was that it's the fact that a police officer was involved It's the fact that there is misogyny and there is institutionalized sexism and a gender bias that we see within police as well. And the actions thereafter, bearing in mind we also had a murder last year where a number of police officers took pictures of themselves with the bodies of two women and they took selfies. And so that was referred to the Independent Office of Police Complaints. They're not the only cases, but it's also brought into sharp relief police and police actions, not just in terms of those offences, but at the vigil, Sarah's vigil, that seemed to be very peaceful, but there were clips online of police officers manhandling and arresting and handcuffing women who were just stood doing nothing. And so that's now come into criticism. And it just seems to be one thing after the other, which women are very, very angry about. And, and I am one of those women. I feel very angry about it because it's not just one thing, it's a thousand cuts mm. that, that have happened. And I think Sarah's case has just opened everything up and, and, and brought it to the fore. And yeah. is the Home Secretary dealing with that? Is somebody getting them in line? Well, interestingly, the Home Secretary did tweet when those clips were going viral online because everyone was angry and Pretty Patel said she wants a report from the commissioner the next day. And the Prime Minister and Home Secretary, I understand, did meet with Commissioner Dick. People did call for Cressida's resignation, which I don't agree with, by the way. I think that she needs to get a handle on things, but I do want to hear what she's doing about that, about the investigation into those officers, because it did look disproportionate. And I'd also like to know what she's doing about the misogyny and sexism and gender bias within the police service, as well as what they're doing to tackle male violence, because everyone seems to be missing that conversation about what are you going to do about men beating, raping, killing women. You know, I want to see them say they're going to set up a task force approach. They're going to go after the top 10 to 20 most violent and serial perpetrators. And that's what the public now want to hear. Yeah, They want to hear about action. It's what law enforcement should be doing. And like you said, protecting women by locking them down. That's not how you protect women. You stop the people who are hurting them. Well, it it's also reminds common me, sense. It reminds me, Laura, and I think we can mention this because it's it's been in the news. But you know, you and I had recently been talking about these offenses that men do to women and little girls that the police kind of scoff at. Oh, that's not really that big of a deal. You know, the indecent exposure and that kind of thing. So you and I had just been talking about that these gateway offenses, and um, we may see some things <laughs> come out in this case too. Yes. Well, I'm sure that we will do. And of course, with Libby Squires, I talked about Libby's case where there were 13 other women before Libby being abducted, raped and murdered. And those women reported to the police, but the indecent exposures, the voyeurism, the masturbation, none of it was prioritized to the point that it should have been. And I've yet to see a case where there's an abduction and there's a rape and a murder with nothing before it. And I think it's so important. This leads into my campaign around serial perpetrators and why it's so poignant 
is that we know that there is this escalation. These offenders don't grow up off trees and suddenly decide one day they wake up to do something like this. So that's, again, Lisa and, and Jim, is really the outpouring of women saying, but we tell you about our experiences, and yet we're not believed and we're not taken seriously. And I think women, and I'm one of them, I've just had enough of that whole narrative and not just narrative of the fact that it happens. And that's why I've been campaigning so hard for serial perpetrators, domestic violence perpetrators and stalkers, because those men are stalkers. They're going out targeting particular women. I want them to be proactively identified. So we flip the script, stop looking at what women are doing. We flip the script, we focus on the men of violence and we start to do something about them. We risk assess them, we risk manage them. We have them on a national database. And we target them. And it's not rocket science. It's really basic stuff that actually the police do for robbers, for burglars, for terrorists, for organized criminals. It's very rudimentary to policing that you go after your repeat problems, but it's the offenders that are the problem. And I shouldn't have to keep saying that you know, violence against women doesn't happen to ourselves. We don't do it to ourselves. And when people say women's safety issues or women's protection, we have to name male violence as being the problem because men are killing women at pandemic rates right now. And we know that particularly in the UK, the data is 93% of killers are men, 90% of sex offenders are men, 93% of domestic violence perpetrators are men, and about 70% of stalkers are men. So we have to name it to say this is how we're going to tackle it and start to think about proactive things that can be done. And I'll say we had a huge win in Parliament on Monday the 15th in the House of Lords where my amendment and Baroness Jamroyal's amendment 73 was voted upon in the House of Lords for serial perpetrators to be proactively identified and managed and for the perpetrator strategy. Now, it went to a vote. 327 peers voted in favour of it, 232 peers voted against it. Now, those who voted against it were mainly government. Now, government have said, we are going to prioritise women's safety, and yet they're voting against something that will change the face and change the culture, which is just asinine to me. And that How do they justify was, it? Well, they may justify it on a technical basis of what we have in the, the amendment that the database that I've pr proposed, VISA, the Violent and Sexual Offenders Register, the infrastructure couldn't cope with adding more offenders. And that is a problem because they never invested in it in the first place. No. So what I've always said is you've got to invest in the IT anyway. If these are the most dangerous people, we should be investing in the database, but it is the national database and therefore we don't want to create something separate. But other than that, Jim, I mean, the arguments were around some of the, the technical stuff, but the government have not been minded to do this, even though actually Robert Buckland, who's the Lord Chancellor and Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, on the Sunday, there was an article in the Sunday Times saying they were going to do it and they were going to create a super database. But that's the first time I've heard of that. And I'm all for it because if Bill Gates and other people can revolutionise other IT frameworks. And of course, it can be done in law enforcement. And if this is a priority, that's what must be done. So the campaigners, everybody, we had a very emotional day Monday. Mm. I spent quite a lot of it either on the edge of my seat on pins and needles with my stomach just dropped, feeling very sick or waiting for the result. And then from happy to tears to 
all sorts of emotions because it has been 20 years in the making, Mm. this amendment. So for that, for us to defeat government and for it to be seen as serious was hugely emotional. Then I spoke to Zoe Dromfield, Rachel Williams, all the families involved. And of course, that was very emotional too, because some of them thought this would never happen and it's in their daughter's memory. So, and I, you know, for me, I was up at 1.30 that morning working, went to bed at about 9 p.m., finished work at 7 p.m. And I was on my knees. I was absolutely exhausted and emotionally drained, but it was a huge victory. And we're hugely proud of that. But what came out of Yeah, thank thank, you. And thank you, Laura, for I can't even imagine the determination, the energy it takes day after day, year after year, as you've said, decade after decade for you to do this fight. I mean, I don't know how you even get up in the morning sometimes, but you do. I do. And it's been grueling. I won't say otherwise because it has been. There's been so many setbacks and there's been so many highs and lows. And finally, to see it being recognized is just incredible. And we've still got work to do because we want to make sure the government bring this in. So this will be back in the House of Commons. So it goes between the two houses and it will be in the House of Commons after Easter. So I I would love it if our listeners, how you can take action and support to ensure that we keep the momentum going, we keep holding the government's feet to the fire and keep the pressure on, where you can write to your member of parliament. And if you can write to them, say you want to see serial domestic abusers and stalkers on the same register as violent and sex offender perpetrators, the same database, and that you want to see a strategy for perpetrators and male violence, then that would be great. And if you can complete the petition, just sign your name, and if you can keep amplifying this message on social media and hopefully reaching more people, then that's a way that we can unify our voices, as well as the last thing is complete the government online survey. They've reopened their survey on violence against women and girls. And in the three days after it reopened in the wake of Sarah Everard's murder, 78,000 people completed it. It takes about 15 minutes. And again, if you can ask them to focus on serial perpetrators and serial stalkers and a male violent strategy against women, and that would be amazing. So there's some action points there, because what I will say, Boris Johnson did set up a task force and came out after we defeated the government and said, we've put this task force together, we're going to put more lights and cameras outside for women uh, to feel safe, and we're going to put more undercover cops in bars and clubs to help with your safety, which no one feels relieved about, because if you think about Sarah Everett's case, it's a police officer that's been arrested. So that doesn't make women feel safe. Second to that, no one's going out to the pubs and bars because everything's shut. And third to that, it's not where we're most at risk. We're most at risk from the men that we know and have relationships with. And so we want people to understand that at the moment, women don't feel safe anywhere that we go. We're told not to go outside, but we're not safe at home. And we want the government to focus on that and the misogyny, the gender bias and the sexism, because that kind of strategy and tactics ain't going to change anything about the police culture and women not being believed. And that's what they need to start tackling and put some money into changing. Very well said. And Laura, in the midst of what you were going through on Monday, we were also going through the relaunch of America's Most Wanted. So we premiered on Monday on Fox. 
and then within 24 hours, it's on Hulu and the other Fox streaming services. And it's very important because this is the true crime show that actually gives our audience an opportunity to chip in and help. Law enforcement needs your help. The people that we highlight on America's Most Wanted are people who are dangerous or who have abducted kids or who have killed people. This is something that will help society be safer. And that's one of the reasons why my brother and I and my whole company wanted to get this show back on the air, because actually America's Most Wanted is the most effective media tool that has ever been made in terms of helping law enforcement catch fugitives. In the first iteration, it ran for almost 25 years, 1,200 episodes, and more than 1,158 fugitives were caught. Wow. That's, That's great. Yeah, it's amazing. And it means that people's lives and livelihoods and their children and their families were safer as a result. So please watch it on Fox. If you have Fox, if you don't, you can watch it on Hulu or Fox streaming. And it's just something that everyone should be looking at because you never know if somebody you pass by every day or you see in the coffee shop or you see out and out and about or living next door to you or even someone in your own home might be a wanted fugitive. And what's great about the show now is that we've really updated it with technology. And instead of having a wanted poster and maybe an age progressed picture of someone, we actually have full life-size avatars of the fugitives what they might look like today, where they might be today. We use profilers, myself, my colleagues. Bobby, Bobby was posting that yeah. he was manning some kind of tip line. Yeah, we are on that? the tip lines. We're live on the tip lines while the show airs on the East Coast, Central Time and West Coast. And we have a tip line that's open 24-7. And also you can tweet and text and and uh, call in to the tip line at any time, 24 hours, seven days a week. And the tip line is 1-8333-AMW-TIPS. That's 1-8333-AMW-TIPS. So that's great. Everyone can be an activist and, and take part. I saw Paul Holes. I haven't seen the show yet because it's just yeah. been so busy uh, with my campaign work and everything else. But I saw Paul Holes was on it. So yeah. I'm sure that will draw a few extra viewers <laughs> to the screen. Yeah. I have to say Elizabeth Vargas, who's the host, and Paul Holes, who has really come forward since Paul Holes helped break the case of an infamous, uh, of an infamous serial killer who had been on the run for 30 years. He's the perfect spokesperson for getting people who are fugitives brought to justice. And Yodid also, she's a former prosecutor and she's great too. So I think we have a really great team on air and they're really dedicated and hoping that everybody who sees the show will call in. One of the most difficult aspects of the show this past week was these two little boys that are missing. They were playing in their backyard, a fenced-in backyard, and they're missing. And it's a very, very 
dangerous and risky situation. And I hope that somebody recognizes them, knows something about it, and can help us bring those two little boys home. Yeah, so to our listeners, please be an activist. Please uh, do sign a petition and fill out the government survey on violence against women and girls, and also ensure you write to your MP if you are in the UK. And I also want to end on a positive note. We wanted to do this little update for you all because there's so much going on and lots of people have asked us, will you please talk about what the hell's going on with the Atlanta shooting? Because it seems very conflicting and there seems to be a lot of negativity in terms of crime, but there are things that we can do. And in America, there's been some good news because the House voted to reauthorize and update the Violence Against Women Act, which had expired two years ago. And it hasn't been given any attention because it wasn't seen as a priority before. But I think it's really positive that 244 voted in favor of it and 172 Republicans voted against it. And oh my goodness, I still can't understand why anybody would vote against trying to keep women safe. But the bill now heads to the Senate. And I think that's a very positive thing um, that we all need to see right now. And so be active. I know many of you listen to us. Many of you are professionals and many of you have suffered or have your own lived in experience. So you feel very strongly about um, having your voice heard. So now is your opportunity. So thank you for listening to this short update. I'm absolutely exhausted. It's been such one of the busiest weeks of my life of working in another country. And I have another campaign in Connecticut to criminalize coercive control that's just launched. So there's lots of good things going on, but we have to keep challenging the narrative and we have to keep being active and having our voice heard to make a difference because it's the only thing that ever changes things. If if we do something about it and if we unify and have a collective voice about things that matter to us. Absolutely. Well, great job, Laura. Thank you. I'm still in slight disbelief, but we've got, I never am complacent about these things. People kept saying, well, take a day off and enjoy. And the challenge with campaign work, particularly when it's unfunded, this is all pro bono, is it's me doing it. And there isn't somebody to delegate to. And it means all my other deadlines had to be pushed back. So I'm now trying to scramble and uh, do all my other work. And of course, Royal Crime Profile is very important. And we wanted to return our attention also to the case that we're covering because it is an in-depth case that needs our attention. But thank you for the congratulations. Thank you, everyone, for your amazing messages. I've been trying to reply to people. And some people have said, Laura's ignoring me. She hasn't messaged me. I've been emailing her about my case. Where is she? Why isn't she messaging? It's because I'm one person. (laughs) And I can't possibly get to everything on my own. So I'm not in, I'm not ignoring anybody. It's just an incredibly busy time. So thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate you and value you. And for now, this is Real Crime Profile signing out. If you like deeper analysis like this episode on topics like making a murderer, mind hunter, escape at Danamora. The case of Sally Challen, the teacher's pet, Lynette Dawson, the exonerated five and when they see us and the disappearance of Madeleine McCann, you can listen to RCP on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever platform you listen to us on. And please be sure, if you like what we do, to give us a five-star review. Thank you for listening to Real Crime Profile.
Real Crime Profile is produced and edited by Paul Francis Sullivan. Sound engineering by Mike Thal. Music is composed by Simba Tsumba. Logo art by Jim Clementi. Real Crime Profile is produced by XG Productions and distributed by Wondery. For advice and support if you're experiencing stalking in the UK, you can contact Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service on 0203 866 4107 or you can go to the website where there's a lot of information and advice that you can follow on www.paladinservice.co.uk. If you're experiencing domestic abuse, you can call the National Domestic Violence Helpline for free on 0800-2000-247. In the US, if you're experiencing domestic abuse and need advice, shelter or counselling, you can call Genesis, the 24-hour hotline, on 214 946 you can also go to their website for further advice or support, www.genesisshelter.org. And there's the Domestic Violence Hotline on 800-799-7233. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Real Crime Profile ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice, only on Freebie.